Welcome to the Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Dopp, and on each episode, you will hear powerful stories of one-on-one evangelization, brought to you as a collaboration between Mission of the Redeemer Ministries and Genesis Mission, the Encounters Podcast will encourage you in the Catholic faith, inspire you as a missionary disciple, and equip you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. Hey everybody, it's great to have you with us for another episode of the Encounters Podcast. Wonderful to have Michelle with us again. How are you doing today, Michelle? Very well, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Oh, it's always a joy. I I, I get excited because um, I don't know what story you're going to tell this time. And so just as our as our listeners sit in anticipation for hearing the good work that God has called you to and the work that the Spirit is doing, uh, I too am sitting on the edge of my chair to, uh, to hear what you're going to share with us today. Why don't you uh, begin to tell a bit about an encounter that you've had? Okay, Michael. No pressure then. No, ju- no that. pressure at all. Don't, <laughs> don't let anybody down, Michelle. <laughs> I'm not going to be disappointed. Yeah, You've exactly. never disappointed us um, so far, so we don't think you will now. <laughs> Come Holy Spirit. Uh, okay. Right, Michael, I really want to tell this story because it taught me such a lot. But there's a bit, there's a bit of a prelude to this story in as much as um, a bit of a forerunner to okay. it. So I was, I was walking through the city uh, on this particular day. And this was quite early when I was feeling the call to evangelize, but hadn't really grasped what it was all about or how to go about it or, you know, the fact that the Holy Spirit was in charge and, and all this and the other. So I was walking through the city centre and I saw a guy sitting at the side of the road, also sitting on the side of the street begging. As I walked up to him, I thought, oh, I must give him some money. So I put my hand in my pocket and I pulled out whatever change I had and I was on the way to catch a train and I gave him the, gave him the change and he said, thank you very much, but not, no, not much reaction anyway. And I walked a lot off. And as I went to catch my train, I thought, oh, that's not quite right. You know, the Holy Spirit was not speaking to me through my conscience. <laughs> he said, that's not quite right. And I was thinking, I couldn't kind of fathom out what wasn't quite right. And I thought, oh, I know, I didn't give him enough money. So I thought, I looked at my watch and thought, oh no, I can just about make it back there. So I rushed back and I pulled out my purse and I gave him some more money. And, and, and he, you know, the response was pretty much the same. And I was like, okay, I've done that, that's good. And I walked away and as I walked away, it was like, no, Michelle, that's not it. That is not it. Something isn't right. Something's missing. It's just this feeling. Anyway, I thought, well, I can't go back. What can I? I, and I was going to miss my train, so I had to carry on. And I, I got on the train and I was sitting there and I was praying about it. And I suddenly realized I should have prayed with him. <laughs> Why didn't I pray with him? You know, it's it's, it's, all right. it's all very well, isn't it? Just to, to give some money and tick your box and, yeah, I've done the good thing. I've done the right thing. And, you know, maybe you can get a cup of coffee or whatever. But I should have prayed with him. And, and, I didn't. and why, why so didn't was you? Was it because you at the moment you didn't think of it? Or was it because you were afraid or because you were making excuses like, I got to go catch my train? It just didn't occur to didn't me. It didn't occur to you. Didn't, it wasn't something that I thought anybody did particularly, okay. that, let alone. So, yeah. So, but then I thought, you know, whatever he does with that money, it's going to be gone. And then he's still going to be as despondent as when I gave it to him. So, I, you know, it was a big, 
big realization to me. And you did ask me last time, Michael, how the Holy Spirit, how I feel the Holy Spirit communicates with me. And I do feel a lot of the time it's through my conscience. So anyway, so then a few weeks later, after I've had, have had this like major revelation about what I should be doing, um, I'm going through, uh, I'm in my local town and uh, I go to walk through a subway. Now, I want to make it clear that in England, a subway can either be a sandwich shop or an underpass where you walk. And I don't want there to be any confusion. So in this in this instance, it was an underpass. Okay. okay? So and uh, so as I go, as I walk through the underpass, I see there's a young man sitting on the ground halfway along. And first of all, I looked at him and he didn't look disheveled. He didn't look like a homeless person. So I was thinking, so that's strange, you know, why would he be sitting there? And I thought, well, maybe he's busking, um, but he didn't have any instruments, but he, he was quite well-dressed, quite well-dressed, you know, tidy, clean looking and, and everything. And he's just sitting there. And so he goes to me, oh, have you got any spare change? As I got to him and I said, look, I said, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't give money because in the meantime, I'd had a few bit of advice about giving money and realized that, okay, that fits with what I had been praying about. I said, but I can pray with you if you like. And thinking that he would say, oh, no, I said, oh, but I can pray for you. Mm. That's what I said. Thinking that he would say, oh, that would be nice. And off I would go and I'd say a prayer. And he put his hand out towards me and he said, I'd really like that. It took me by surprise, to be honest. So I walked over to him and I said, uh, what's your name? I'm going to call him Sam. And uh, and, and he said, I said, uh, Sam, do you pray? And he said, well, he said, you've got to believe in something, haven't you? Because otherwise all the people you've lost uh, are just gone. It's all a bit meaningless. So I, re- I, I, I registered this. I recognized, you know, that there was something deeper going on here. So I said to him, so who have you, who have you lost then? And he said, uh, oh, well, you know, I was in with a bad crew and I've lost a lot of people to drugs and alcohol and stuff like this. And I said to him, oh, I said, have you got a drug and alcohol problem then, Sam? And he said, well, if I'm honest with you, he said, uh, I've managed to stay clean for a while now. He said, but I'm on methadone, which is like a heroin substitute, I think. So I said, oh, are you homeless? He said, no, actually, I'm not homeless. He said, I'm, uh, I've got a flat and so I'm okay like that. And I said, uh, I said to him, so who else have you lost, Sam? And he said, my gran and granddad. And he said, they brought me up. And I asked him a bit about his past and stuff like this. And, and, and I said to him, so, and, and anybody else I could sense, you know, while he was talking to me, that there was something more. And uh, he said, yeah, my first girlfriend, he said, uh, was a terrible time in my life. I had a pretty hard childhood, he said. And I met this young woman and he said, and uh, she, we were both smoking weed and doing drugs and stuff like that. And we were both kind of lost, he said. And we were, we just, we were like an island for each Mm -hmm. other. You know, we felt safe with each other. We had, we just supported each other. And I really felt like I'd found my soulmate, you know, and, and he said, and then one, one night, he said, one night she went missing, he said, and uh, she was, she was found lying in the, in the road at the top of a dual carriageway. And that's like a, yeah, I don't know what you'd call it in, in, in America, but like a motor highway, a okay. highway, I suppose. And um, and she was dead. And the police 
They did a post-mortem and they um, they couldn't decide whether it was an accident and she'd stumbled out in the road or whether she'd committed suicide or whether she'd actually fallen from a car because her injuries were... She'd been hit by a car anyway, yeah. but um, they couldn't tell the cause of death. And he said, to be honest, he said, because of that, he said, my life spiralled out of control after that. He said, because I didn't know the truth. I couldn't, they couldn't find out what happened. I couldn't find out what happened. And the truth, seeking the truth nearly killed me, he said, and it still does. And he said, and this is, you know, this is part of the problem that I struggle today and and my life, you know, I still haven't got my life back together. At this point, I shared it. I said to him, you know what? I said, I I, told, I, I remembered the story in the local papers. So I, I, I said to him, you know, I remember this happening, actually. You know, it was in all the papers. He's going, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he said, uh, and I said, I understand that seeking for truth, I said, because that's been a major part in my life as well. And I shared a bit of, at that point, a bit of my own background and upbringing, you know. And I, and, um, I said, the, the thing is, we try and we try to do better all the time. And, and, you know, we, in in my own situation, you know, I, I would try, I, I'd mess things up. I'd try again. I'd mess things up. I'd try again. And I couldn't understand why this, this would keep happening. And I said, and if you've got a drug problem, which I didn't have, I said, you know, you try and you get clean for a while, you kick the drugs and then you fall back into it. And then you feel crap about yourself and you try, you know, and it's just this, Diminute, you know, it's this self-defeatism and, and we feel so badly about ourselves. I said, I said, and amongst all this, I, I, I realized that I didn't really, I didn't understand what love was all about, you know, and I, I wanted to understand the authenticity of love. I said, and, and it was this simple phrase, God is love that sent me on this journey. And when I went on this journey, I could see that Back, at, back since the beginning, very beginning, you know, in the Bible, man has just messed up. We've messed up and we've tried again and we've messed up and we've tried again. And through it all, God has reached through to us to try and help us out of this mess that we get ourselves into. And he's like, he's going, yeah, yeah. He said, that's exactly that's exactly what it's like, he said, you know. And then you feel like you're never going to get out of it. And I said, and I said yeah. And then I said, when I realized that God had come to us as Jesus, through Je- as Jesus Christ, God reached into our lives, came to us as Jesus Christ and died so that we could be forgiven for all of the sins because he loves us so much. I realized that that's authentic love. That's real sacrifice and authentic love. As, and then through the resurrection, I realized there is real hope. And I during this time, I said, I, I recognize that Jesus's story just mirrors mankind's story. It mirrors my life and your life from what you've told me. And I said, so there I felt like it opened up truth for me. And in that, I found out I could see who I was. And, you know, and that, that took me to this place of hope, of, of redemption, you know. Now, as I'm saying this, I see at the end of the subway, this figure appears and she's got like a womanly shape, really curvy. And, and Sam, my friend, is like, yeah, he, can't, he keeps being distracted looking at this figure that's coming towards him. And it's got wearing these real high heels and, you know, the, the real like 
little wriggle going on and all this and I'm thinking oh no I'll just get into the good bit now and he's like really distracted so anyway before I know it this person's standing in front of us you know and sort of hip jutted out and pulls a packet of cigarettes out and goes to Sam opens the cigarettes and goes here goes Sam and pulls out three cigarettes and Sam's like wow thanks oh that's fantastic that's really great thank you so much and anyway, so Sam was like really delighted and I and I was flooded with shame because I thought I have just been standing, sitting here having bad thoughts about this person because they're dressed in this way and behaving like, and actually they're just being really generous and kind and loving. And what am I doing? All I'm doing is sitting here telling, you know, talking and I haven't given him anything which he's going to enjoy later and all this anyway she wanders off and Sam's clutching his head and I I just put my hand on Sam's shoulder and I went Sam I said I feel so terrible this person's they've come along and and given you given you a gift like that for no reason and I and all I've done is sit and like talk with you for like and he and he he looked at me and he went, no, and he lifted up his hand and he, he said, look, he said, they've given me three sticks of cancer. Where is that going to take me? He said, you've given me something so much far more valuable than that. You've given me hope, hope for the future. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> so it taught me so much. Because I, ha- I had also previously said to him, you know, Sam, when you want to change your life, I said, God knows your heart. When you sincerely ask him, that's when he's going to step in and help you. And he will be the one who lifts you out of where you are. And he was saying, I know, he said, I know that. He said, because some days I wake up, I pray, and I'm full of, yeah, I want to change, I want to change. And then the next day I wake up and think, no. Nah. I don't want to do we that. all feel like that, don't we? Yeah, and and I said to him, well, you know what? Project your life forward ten years. Where do you see yourself? Do you want to see yourself sitting in the subway, or do you want something different? Because that's what God wants for you—something different. So it was just the most amazing experience because I learned so much about my own reaction to people, for one thing, but also the fact how the Holy Spirit works from that first experience with the other guy to wanting to give him something more than just material goods, to coming to Sam and then feeling ashamed because I hadn't given him anything other than spiritual, and then him affirming that the hope was more important than anything, you know, and the message was more important than anything. So, and I, you know, we talk about in our Genesis sessions, we talk about an apprenticeship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the most incredible teacher if you are present to him, if you read the signs, if you listen, you know, to, to the messages that come through so clearly, as long as you spend your time in prayer and reflection on what's happened, why it's happened, you know, and uh, and then you take the learning into next time. And it's, it's, it's phenomenal the way it works. Yeah. Was that then one of the first times you had an encounter like that? Like, because you said that, before you were you were kind of when you first, the first half of the story, you hadn't really been open to what the Holy Spirit wanted to do you do with you. Pardon me, in terms of having encounters. So did this did this kind of open things up for you, or were you already beginning to share your faith uh, with people that you met? I, I was. I had the desire to. 
I had the desire to share my faith. I had no clue whatsoever really how to go about it. I had small little flashes of experience that you don't kind of recognize at the time until it comes together with another experience and you kind of link it all together. But, um, you know, slowly, slowly the veil drops, you know, and and, and the Holy Spirit, if you're willing, you know, if, if you're, and the Holy Spirit shows you, but you have to put yourself, be there. You know, you, know, you can't be an apprentice if you don't turn up for work. So... Yeah, you have to be there willing and and he does it. I mean, he really does does the intelligence side of it. But how do you think we move from from the very limited, simple, safe encounters, the saying God bless you or casually telling someone we'll pray for them? You know, that most people that are seeking to be missionary disciples, like that's where they're at. They're at being able to acknowledge faith and say something about God to another person, but it's it's so limited, it's so um, quick, it's so passing. To go from that to be able to have a serious conversation like you had, how do we, how do we move from from that first one to that second one? Yeah, you see, what I want to say in answer to that. I recognize that there's a big bit in between, but what I want to say is that how do you get from it is this recognition of the soul in front of you and and to, to see it as more than, yes, the Lord wants us to go out and witness to him, but more than that, he wants us to truly love one another. So... And in that loving one another, you really have to understand or want to get to the soul of the person. You know, you want to get, you want to do more than, but how do you get to it? In practical terms, really, you're asking me, aren't you? That's what you're, I mean, ultimately, if you don't truly, if you don't really get that the salvation of souls is is we, we want to reconcile people with God in heaven. We recognize that sin will keep them from that, that sin, sin will destroy them in this world and ruin them for the next world, so for the next with God. So, so even if your motivation at this point is for people to have a better life, you have to recognize that there is some kind of problem there or some kind of perhaps some some darkness of sin perhaps that's either been done to them or that they are engaged in and there has to be a genuine love to want to bring them from that to another place a genuine love and this is goes back to my seeking for the truth of what love truly is and it's not about what makes me comfortable and it might be about me Making putting someone else in a situation where they have they are having to acknowledge things that they perhaps are being in denial about or have not even recognised for themselves. So that's kind of the the deep answer. But how do you go from saying God bless you? Again, it's practice, it's habit, it's it's building up a a natural way of engaging with people continually, being interested in people 
showing more than a surface is is a you know diving deep into life rather than just skimming the surface and uh, having superficial interactions. Why do we want to spend our lives like that? Who are we who are we protecting when we do that? You know what what do, what do we actually? I mean, a lot of the time is I think one of the inhibitors is that we we're afraid to engage with people because we we then have a responsibility to fix everything for them. And we feel like, well, I can't do that. And I don't want to take on that responsibility. I've let all that go. I, I, I don't see my responsibility to fix people. I see my responsibility as showing them another way, a different perspective, uh, opening up a new path for them. And then it's between them and the Lord after that. And I'll say to people, you know what, I can't fix your life for you. I can't change your environment for you. What I can do, though, is bring you hope and show you another way that it can be if you choose it, you know. And I'm at peace with that then because I know that I've done what the Lord would want me to do. And I don't I don't hold back because I think, well, what are they going to ask of me? Because I'm just straight with them. One final question, which is kind of more of a technical one or a specific one, but... At one point during the testimony or during the encounter, you were sharing that you were asking him about people that had died, and he mentioned friends that had died and grandparents. And you said that you had a sense there was more. And when you said that, I was thinking about how one of the one of the kind of the principles in the Genesis mission is this soul listening. It's mm-hmm. listening, you know, the the way you and Father John describe it to the words behind the words, to what's yeah. really going on. So, to me, that seemed like yeah. that's what was going on, like. You're asking him. He was he was answering your question, and I'm, I'm sure the death of his grandparents was at least unpleasant for him. If you know, yeah. maybe not traumatic, but not not a great experience in his life. And yet, you said you knew there was more. How what? How did you sense that? How did you know to keep asking and, yeah. and, and digging a little yeah. bit right there and not move on? Because what I've what I have recognized over you know, I mean, a lot of this comes with experience as much as you know, as anything else. But I recognize that when you get into an area where where someone is going quite deep, they're opening up, they're talking about something that's potentially painful or sensitive, they will often not get to the heart of what they're really, what, what's really there for a while. They'll talk, they'll talk around it, they'll talk, they'll give you other examples, and you just kind of know that there's an aching heart under here, and there's something more to it. So you just gently keep asking the question appropriately you know and and you know that as well is is very important to to be very sensitive to what a person is you know and it can be in the tone of voice it can be a look in the eye an expression that just flicks across the face and you become very aware sensitive to those things and always you've got this communication with the holy spirit going on in the background so it's like because you know you don't you can't we can't we, we can't do this on our own it's more than a human interaction you know it's a spiritual interaction so you need the holy spirit to help you so and he alerts you to it michelle so thanks for sharing that it was great it was certainly worth sharing and i think there's a lot for us to to kind of learn about the process of having these encounters but also the hope that they inspire in our hearts that Number one, we can do this, that we can have these sorts of conversations, that this type of conversation, a lot of it, it's just asking questions. It's just really taking the person in front of you seriously, that we can all Mm -hmm. do this. But also Mm -hmm. the hope that that is rooted in the spirit being at work 
in every person's life. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I always take away from, from hearing the encounters of other people, that there is no one whose life is untouched by God and you know, that God isn't knocking at the door of their heart, that he's not doing something, that he's not somehow calling them higher to the next level, to to something better, and that we can witness to that, but also we can see that happening. It's, mm. a, really, it's a really beautiful gift. So thank you, Michelle, for sharing that with us. That was fantastic. We are delighted that you joined us for the Encounters podcast. We rely on the generosity of listeners like you to be able to continue to offer this podcast and much more but we need your assistance. Please click on the donate link in the show notes to see how you can become a monthly patron. Even $10 a month makes a big difference for us. Thank you so much.